Good morning, everybody. So, yes, that was a great segue into starting our Christmas service. And our Christmas series is called Visitations When God Responds. And really, the celebration of Christmas is exactly that. It's remembering a time when God responded to the greatest need the world had ever had. And that's not just a once-off event that happened 2,000 years ago, because the same God is available to you and I today in this Christmas season to come and visit us in our space of need. If you look up the word visitation in the dictionary, it's going to tell you that it means the appearance of a divine or supernatural being. And most typically, if you read the Bible, it would come through angelic visitation. God, angels are messengers of God. He uses them to send his messengers, to release his blessings. That message would often come to an individual, but it could also come to groups of people or even to nations. And if you read about visitations in the Bible, you will see that there are many different responses that are made to a visitation of God. Some of them are bad, and some of them are good. But when we see people responding to their visitation in a good way, we immediately see obedience taking place. And because Jesus said that those who love me will obey my commands, as soon as we see obedience taking place, there's a space where faith and trust in God increases in that individual, those group of people, or that nation to the point where they have greater intimacy with God. They know God better. And so this morning, we're gonna read about a visitation that came to a family in need a family that had a lack. And if you've got your Bible with me, please turn to the book of Luke. We're gonna start reading from chapter one, verse five. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron. And her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as a priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John and you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great before the Lord and he must not drink wine or strong drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the desert in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zacharias said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am old, I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel, 
I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach from among the people. And the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth is essentially a story of hope. I believe that it's an object lesson that teaches us as human beings how we lose our hope, what hope actually costs us, and how we can have our hope restored. <laughs> now, every single visitation is a surprise. It's this moment where God just breaks into our human experience, just interrupts our lives with his manifest present. We, we cannot know that they're gonna happen. We cannot expect them. And we know for certain that Zechariah really saw an angel because with every single visitation in the Bible, the very first thing the angel always says to a person is what? Do not be afraid. <clears throat> if you haven't found yourself lying on the floor fearing for your life, you may not have seen an angel. You may have perceived one, but you have not seen one. And so yes, it must have been shocking and surprising for Zechariah as he was just going about his business to suddenly see an angel standing beside the altar. But as we read the story, I think what we start to realize is that way more shocking and surprising to Zechariah is the message the angel brings him. Because it says, the angel says, God has heard your prayer. It starts off in the beginning saying that Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous people, that they upheld the statutes of God. Zechariah is a priest. But even he, in that moment, is not expecting the answer to his prayer. They're old. I think they've given up already. And so I think the message of the angel was way more shocking to him than just the appearance of the angel. That your old wife, in your old age, you're gonna have a son. She's gonna bear a baby boy for you. And then we see Zachariah's response. There really are a few different responses Zachariah could have made at this moment, aren't there? The first one is he could have just fallen on his knees and said, thank you, Jesus. Well, God. <laughs> Jesus was about to come in a little while. Thank you, God. Yes, yes, thank you. We knew this day would come. He could have believed the message. We would understand as human beings if he was like, wow, that's amazing. I've just got a question or two. <laughs> We would have even understood if he was like, wow. And in his heart, he was going, I don't know how that's possible. He had a little bit of doubt. But sadly, he chooses unbelief. He says, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. Now this sounds to me like a very polite way of saying, it's a very religious language of saying, oh, heck no, that isn't gonna happen. How am I meant to understand this? How can I receive this? And the angel sees his unbelief. Well, why was Zechariah unbelieving? 
Like I said, we all think that if an angel came and said, your prayer is answered, all our faith in God would increase. Our hope would increase. We would be better Christians than we've ever been before. But the issue of a supernatural visitation is where is your heart already? And the problem is, and I believe that as a counselor, I think what was going on with Zachariah is that he, he had been so beaten down in the failure of his expectation for so long that he had literally internalized disappointment. He just expected to be disappointed. The angel says, you've been praying, but obviously somewhere along the line, they either stopped praying or there was no more faith in their prayers. I guess you do get to a certain age where you don't want to have a baby anymore. <laughs> That's parents of three laughing right there. <laughs> And I think that what had happened to Zachariah is that that disappointment lived in him so hard that he couldn't believe the message the angel was telling him. And you see, this is the, what, what hope costs us. Hope, when we have hope in our hearts, it opens up an opportunity for disappointment. When we have hope in our heart, it becomes a really vulnerable place because what happens if that doesn't come to pass? I think that Zachariah started believing that he wasn't good enough. That there's a little clue in the last part of what I read where Elizabeth hides herself away for five months and then she says, I'm no longer a reproach among the people. See, they lived in a culture where if a woman was barren, if a couple was barren, children were a blessing from God. If you were barren, it implied you'd sinned. It says so clearly that they were righteous. And especially for a woman, they didn't understand science then. So it says there that Elizabeth was barren, but they didn't know if it was the man or the woman who had the problem. But immediately it was the woman's fault. But some of that reproach had tainted Zachariah. What is the sin on your life? And so I think he started believing he wasn't good enough. And I think he did what so many of us do. And he started believing that he wasn't worthy of blessing or worthy of joy or worthy of love that he wasn't worthy of God's goodness. I love how excited the angel is. Your prayers have been answered. You're gonna have a baby boy. He's gonna bring joy to many. You will have joy and blessing, the angel says to him. And he completely doesn't hear that. I think too many of us have this problem. We won't celebrate too hard. We won't get too excited about good news because we feel like the second we do, it's like we're sending a bat signal out into the universe and the enemy is gonna see it and just come running for us and steal all of that stuff away. That's called living in lack. And so when that supernatural manifestation hits Zachariah's life, he chooses to reject it. Proverbs 13 verse 12 says this, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is the tree of life. We understand this. We have all of us lived in this space. And Zechariah had internalized the first part of that proverb. But God wanted him to learn how to live from the second half of that proverb. And that is God's desire for you and I this Christmas season, that we will understand how desire fulfilled is a tree of life. It is sweet to the soul. 
Now, in the responses we spoke about earlier, there is a difference between asking questions, having some questions, between doubt and between straight, straight up unbelief. There's a different vocab that comes around them. And God knows that believing the impossible is really difficult for us as human beings. He really does. In Mark chapter nine, there's a story of the father who brings his son to Jesus who's having epileptic fits and it seems like it's caused by a demon. And, the, and he's being thrown into the fire and thrown into the water. And he comes to Jesus and it's almost like the last resort. And the man says to Jesus, but if you want to do anything, take pity on us and help us. It's in Mark nine, verse 23 to 24. And Jesus looks at him and says, if you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for the one who believes. Jesus is looking and saying, who are, do you know who you're talking to? What do you mean, if you can? Just believe. And then I love this man's attitude because he goes, immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. His attitude was a lot better than Zachariah's. Because <laughs> he was like, yes, I, you, I, maybe something's gonna happen. I don't know how, I, but yes, help my unbelief. And this is why he is struck dumb. Because it's really strange in the story, hey? In the moment of his greatest promise of everything coming to pass, he has to be mute. I love how it starts off and there's just an angel standing at the altar because that should be enough. An angel that prophesies so accurately to you. But then his, his unbelief causes the angel to do what? I am Gabriel. I'm not some rando angel <laughs> that just took it on himself to come and bless you. I stand before the face of God. I've got better things to do then talk to unbelieving humans. <laughs> I know the secrets of the universe, boy. And I feel like, it's almost like Gabriel has a bit of autonomy here. He's almost like, whoa, bro, seriously. You gotta be a lot more excited than this. And I think Gabriel's looking at him going, there is too much riding on this moment for you to speak unbelief. So shh, shut up. And so that you don't speak judgment on yourself by disagreeing with God, be quiet until the stuff happens. And that's why he's struck dumb. Because when I carry a spirit of unbelief in me, I begin to create an environment of unbelief. And there's a language that comes with unbelief. You know, Gabriel prophesied so accurately exactly what was gonna happen. And Zechariah was gonna see every one of those words come true in his lifetime. And so it was so important that he did not speak against us. And this is God's mercy. It's God's mercy that he shut Zechariah up. Now, there's another person that's really important in this whole process, isn't there? Elizabeth. She's like really instrumental. <laughs> I mean, a, an angel can speak to a man, but really without a wife, <laughs> there's no babies. Maybe if Jesus was born from a man, it would be, you know, 
Christianity would be set forever, but you know, God put things into motion so they would stay that way. <coughs> Some of you didn't get that. Um, <laughs> Imagine if Zachariah had gone home with his attitude of unbelief and spoken that over Elizabeth. She had to believe more than him. She's the one who is barren. And I think as Zechariah watched Elizabeth receive the truth, conceive that child, carry that child, that's why she hides herself away for five months as well because she's also carrying some of the same stuff he's carrying. She doesn't want to celebrate too prematurely. She doesn't want to tell anybody because what if it doesn't happen? She's got the same problem. But I think as that baby grew inside of her, her faith grew, her hope grew, her expectation grew. Whatever the pain of hoping was, she wanted this. She wanted this. And having him be unbelieving around her was gonna make that so hard. And so he is muted. But I think as Zachariah watched her, something changed in him. As he watched how she received, as he watched how she grew, his faith grew to the point that when he was ready to accept and agree, his voice opened. His voice came back to him. And what does he say? They're debating the name because he wrote down his name is to be John. And the family is fighting, the community is fighting with Elizabeth because she's just a woman. How can she name the baby? <laughs> but she's saying his name's to be John. And they're saying, no, he has to be called Zachariah. And in the moment that Zachariah agrees with God, that he's willing to agree, his voice comes back to him and he says, he will be called John. You see, we as human beings have a great capacity to hold both hope and disappointment in the same space. It's called ambiguity, and I believe it's a gift God has given us to survive this world. But the real reason we can hold hope and disappointment in the same space is because no matter where we are, we have access to Him. Whether our hope is deferred or our promise is fulfilled, He is available to us. And no matter where we are in our lives, we can hold on to him. And not just that, but we can bring him right into the middle of our reality. And whether the outcome changes or not, we are gonna change. I think the real issue is that God is our hope. Isaiah 40 verse three says, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Who is our hope in in that verse? In the Lord. Is our hope in renewing our strength? Is our hope in soaring on wings like eagles? Is it that we will run? Is it that we will walk? No, our hope is in the Lord. When we hope in the Lord, everything else listed there is the byproduct of that. But this is our problem. This is my problem. I hope more in the outcome than I do in God. Now, here's something else to see. When do you need your strength renewed? It's not a trick question. When you are weak. Am I right? When do you need to soar like an eagle? When you are trapped and bound. <laughs> when do you need to run? When you're weary, when do you need to walk? When you're faint. What that scripture is telling us, if you are not in a problem, you need none of that. 
And so what the scripture is saying is in the middle of my battle, in the middle of my worst nightmare, in the middle of the thing I hate most about my life, if I hope in the Lord, then I, my strength will be renewed. You see, I think too often that when the victory is won, then my life will be perfect. But here's the issue of faith. Faith is because I have God, I have the victory. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care that I'm dragging myself bloody and beaten to the next possible oasis. I have the victory. Why? Because I have Him. He is our hope. Think about that. He is our hope. If anything else is our hope, it will fail. And when we quote the promises of God, we better stand in the conditions. Because we can declare, I will soar on wings of eagles. If I will not find hope in Him, it will never happen. He is our hope. Zachariah's name means God remembers. How ironic is that in this moment? I'm here to tell you, your prayers have been answered. Zachariah forgets everything he knows about God, completely misses the goodness and the kindness and the mercy and the grace of God. Zachariah misses that the real miracle of what is happening in his life is that God is with him. Emmanuel is manifesting right there. The angel says to him, you must name the child John. John in the Hebrew is Yahanan, and it means God is gracious or God has shown favor. Remember what I said beforehand, Zechariah had internalized lack. He had internalized, I am not worthy of love or goodness or favor. And yet God has given him a baby boy whose very name is God shows favor. Every single time he called John's name, God proved to him, here's your favor. You are not forgotten, Zechariah. And seriously, this little family, how insignificant are they in the world at this point? <laughs> really, they, they're not important. We've never heard of them before. We never hear of them again. John the Baptist, obviously, we do. But these, this man and this woman are really insignificant. But God invites them and drags them into the biggest story the world has ever seen. Something that absolutely changed history. And this is our God. God makes a habit. Read the Bible. He makes a habit of using the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. One of the prophecies concerning the birth of Jesus, the, the coming of the Messiah, is found in the book of Micah. It's Micah chapter five, verse two, and it says this, but you, Bethlehem Ephratah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Bethlehem, nobody knows you. Nobody goes to Nazareth. Nobody goes to Bethlehem. What, what good could possibly come from there? But though you are the least, out of you will come Messiah. God often visits the least distinguished. He invites the least of the least to enter into partnership with him so he can show his glory and his greatness and his grace. He did this with Gideon, didn't he? 
Judges 6 verse 15, Gideon says to the Lord, please Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my father's house. But God used the least of the least to win a mighty victory. Acts 10 verse 34 to 35. So Peter opened his mouth and said, truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Do you fear God this morning? Do you want to do what is acceptable before him? You are eligible for a visitation. You are eligible for a visitation. And I believe that God wants to visit every one of us this Christmas season. He has already. But again and again, he wants to show us who he is. And all that is required from you is you will trust him more than the outcome that you want that you will put him first and foremost, that you will find him in the middle of your nightmare, in the middle of your lack, no matter what you are facing, that you will go to him and say, my hope is in you. Now you do what you do, Lord, that we don't dictate to him what that outcome has to look like. All that is required is that we choose to believe that his goodness will be forever be greater than our disappointment. I'm not even being prophetic when I say that you, there are people who are disappointed in this room because this has been a year and you are human beings who have lived this year. You, some of you are disappointed. Are we gonna be like Zachariah and let our disappointment deny us our visitation? Or are we gonna deal with that disappointment, cry it out before the Lord and see him as good and loving? And lastly, all that is required from us is that we open our hearts to believe even if we have to ask him to help us in our unbelief. And then the message of hope and grace that he is speaking to us through the birth of Jesus Christ will ring true in our hearts for our families, for our friends, for the world out there. Let us pray. Father, we just thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your willingness and your desire to visit us, that you sent Jesus Christ once and for all as a symbol of your love, your presence, your grace with us. And Lord, we ask you to help our unbelief, Lord. God, where we are struggling in spaces, where we are living a nightmare, where things are just not the way they should be, where we have lack, like you help this family in need, God. We are your sons and daughters. And we're asking you to help us in our time of need. Strengthen our faith. Strengthen our resolve. And just where you are, wherever you're carrying disappointment, wherever you're holding regret or disappointment for this year, just open it to God. Just recognize that it's there. If you are disappointed in God, He is not angry with you. He's not gonna shout at you. He knows everything you've thought and said even before you did and nothing about you shocks him. So just get honest with him and just give it to him and let his goodness and his love come and wash over it. It might take a while, but don't stay in that place. The Holy Spirit, would you come as we are showing you our disappointment, as we're opening those places of disappointment to you, would you come, Holy Spirit? Come and heal us. Come and speak the truth of God's love to us. Show us how big God is. That when we have Him, no matter what we don't have, He is bigger and everything else is lesser. 
Come and show that to us, Lord. We pray for this in your mighty name, Lord Jesus. Amen.